morning and happy Sabbath, everyone. Our scripture reading is found in Luke 18, 1 to 8. Please turn up as we read the God's word. Luke 18, 1 to 8. Then he spoke a parable to them, that men always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying, There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God, nor regard men. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him, saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward, he said within himself, Though I do not fear God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said, And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night? To him, though he bears long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of God comes, will he really find faith on the earth? May you may feel the presence of God today as we worship him. Please be seated. Folks, just want to uh, thank you once again for the beautiful flowers uh, for my wife and for the, the gift card. And um, today's message is, Will He Find Faith on the Earth? And I have to confess, I, I really struggled with the message because I'm trying to fit it in with this cycle that uh, Alex did. And the theme for today would be holistic mission. But I went through several passages. I texted my wife several times. I said, pray for me. I'm having difficulty finding the text. And it does. please don't think that I wait until Friday afternoon to pick my text. Uh, usually I have it much, much earlier. But... Uh, there are times occasionally where you just kind of draw a blank, you know, and I had to get on my knees several times yesterday and just say, Lord, uh, and I started off with this passage and then that passage and the clock is ticking and you're just, uh, you know, the day's marching on and I got to get my information to joy. God be with you for your patience. And, uh, but finally the Lord impressed me with this passage here, Luke 18, which really doesn't talk about holistic mission per se or, or address that issue but I can find a way to get there trust me uh, but the other issue is is that I was really struck that this is indeed the right message especially after hearing uh, Elder Falkenberg's appeal for prayer especially for the, the folks in the Middle East uh, both our friends from Israel and those in the Gaza Strip so I want to also welcome our online audience uh, you're welcome we really appreciate your presence with us it's so encouraging we do check to find out how many were worshiping with us. And so it's always exciting to see you with us. And uh, if you want to hear more messages like this, you can go to MiddletownPortlandSDA.org. That's maybe where you're watching right now. But if not, uh, there's others. I have my own YouTube channel called Path of Prophecy. Uh, we just reached 228 um, uh, viewers or subscribers on that channel. It's a small little humble effort, but it's a little personal effort and I was able to produce a video the other day that uh, had 3,000 views and so that was really exciting a little YouTube short 
So it's always exciting to just be able to get stuff out there and, and see uh, how people react and respond to that. But we are so grateful for our online audience as well as all of you gathering here to be our guests with us today. So let's pray. Father in heaven, we want to thank you for the word of God. As Fred had mentioned earlier, we're so grateful, especially in the times in which we live in. And your word is going to be, um, what, what is going to be shared from your word is a, a particular application to our times in which we live in today, at, and at this time in Earth's history. And so it's my prayer that the grace and the power of your Holy Spirit would be with us, anoint our ears to hear, and anoint these lips to proclaim your word. And I pray, Father, that as your word is open to us, that our hearts, most of all, would be open to you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Will he find faith on the earth? That is the closing question that Jesus gave when he gave this teaching parable to his disciples. And the parable is uh, Luke chapter 18, verses 1 to 8. It says, Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying, There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. He would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I don't fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him? Though he bears long with them, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? And that, of course, is where I took the title of the sermon. Will he really find faith on the earth? Now, the parable begins, or the instruction begins, with this statement from Jesus. It says, Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. And uh, Fred, you like Greek words and whatnot? It, it uh, means um, to become despondent. Oh, that's right, I gotta stick around here because the other one doesn't mind. Thank you, thank you for that gentle, gracious reminder. So yes, it means to, to become despondent. But here's something that I, I thought I'd share with you folks, because I think there's a little bit of a parallel here, okay? What is the number one killer in the United States of America? Ah, you've been reading the internet, going to Google. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes, it is number one is the leading cause of death is heart disease, cardiovascular disease. I can't see the exact number over there, but you can see the top line, the blue right there. That is it, I've got it circled, number one right there, heart disease, and then after that comes cancer, and, and so on and so forth. But here's the question. Is it possible that heart disease is the number one faith killer in the church today? And I bring this question up because of what Jesus said in the parable. It says, then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not what? Not lose heart. 
So we can actually have heart disease in the church. Okay? So the purpose of this parable is to encourage us to pray because there are consequences to our failure to pray. The consequences in failing to pray is that we lose heart, that we become despondent, okay? And when we lose heart and despond and become despondent, then our faith ebbs. Our faith ceases to become strong, okay? Now, what I want to do is set the, or really unpack, the parable in its context, okay? Now, we all know that in the original Bible, uh, you know, that from years ago, that we didn't have chapters and verses. The, the uh, you know, the prophets and whatnot, they didn't write, okay, I'm going to write verse 18 now, and I'm going to, this is where I'm going to put a chapter break. That was only added much, 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 much later, really just about 400 years ago or so uh, in our history, from our time, okay? And it's a, it's a nice reading aid. It does help, okay? It helps the reader to know that I'm in a new section or, and whatnot, but it can also prevent us from seeing what the original author, in this case, Dr. Luke, wanted his audience to see. Let me explain. So this particular parable starts off in Luke chapter 18, but it's very interesting if we go back just into chapter 17, Luke chapter 17, we find a question that the Pharisees challenged Jesus with. And it says here in Luke chapter 17, verse 20, now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. So here's what I want you to think about, is that while the disciples were in the audience and, and the parable was told to the, to the disciples, the context in which the parable was told was actually kind of part of a lengthy response to not just the Pharisees, because the Pharisees, we'll see in a few minutes, that the Pharisees asked this question and then Jesus responds to them, but then he next shifts his attention to the disciples again. And then he gives an explanation and some teaching, and then he provides this parable. So the Pharisees asked this question, but the question is, why did they ask it in the first place? Well, the idea is that there was messianic kingdom expectations. Okay? And the ministry of Jesus only added fuel to that anticipation. They knew he was a good teacher. They knew perhaps some believed him to be a prophet. Okay? But there were others, the disciples certainly confessed that he was the Messiah, but there were others who were not willing to acknowledge him as the Messiah because Jesus' version of the Messianic kingdom was much different than the Pharisees. The Pharisees looked upon the view of the kingdom of it being more uh, political okay, in that realm, that the Messiah was going to be a political ruler who was going to overthrow the Romans, whereas uh, Jesus' vision of the kingdom was that, first of all, the kingdom of God dwells in you. 
and we'll see that in the next verses as it unfolds. And there needs to be a heart transformation for anybody to even be a member of the kingdom of God. Because if you can't be transformed, how are you going to be pleasant to your neighbor, not only in the kingdom, let alone this life that we're living in right now? So the kingdom of God starts right here. So the, uh, their question really was, if you just skip pause... And I know it's a rainy day and kind of overcast, so after we finish here, we'll have potluck. And when you go home, give you a little homework assignment for the Sabbath. Go back to this passage and look at it, particularly this verse right here. And you can almost hear the sarcasm in their voice. You can hear kind of like a belittling of Jesus. Because what they're really saying is, they're watching him raise the dead and heal the sick and all this kind of stuff. But their expectation is, when are you going to overthrow the Romans? When are you going to overthrow the Romans? And so they're asking him, you know, you, you, you're acting like the Messiah, but we don't see your kingdom coming. What's going on? You must not be the Messiah. What's really is, you must not be the Messiah then because you're not coming up to our expectations of the kingdom. And so Jesus responds to it with this. The kingdom of God does not come with observation. Okay? In other words, we can't see what goes on inside of a human being once they hear the word of God. So they may go away puzzled by what was just said in a sermon or they heard this or they read a Bible passage, but we can't observe what the Word of God is doing in them personally and how they're wrestling with that idea that's been introduced to them. And it may take weeks, months, even years before the fruit comes from that experience. Okay? So, Jesus responds, well, the kingdom of God does not come with observation, but he goes on. He says, nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. That's where it starts. Okay? So that was his response to the Pharisees. Now, in this next verse and following, he turns his attention to the disciples. And here's what he said. Then he said to the disciples, The days will come when you will desire to see on uh, one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. Okay. I apologize for the typo. Pastor Tom always needs to learn to edit his work before he publishes it like this. I'm married to an editor, and I should learn that from her. She's very good at it, but I still have yet to learn. So I apologize for the typo. But I'll just read it here. Verse 22 says, The days will come when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And then he adds this. But first he must suffer many things and re be rejected by this generation. What Jesus was doing was he was explaining to his disciples, and he does this on numerous occasions, where he prophesies to them, he foretells, he explains to them, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of sinners. He's going to be arrested. He will be beaten. He will be crucified. But he will rise again on the third day. Okay? You can read about it in Matthew chapter 16, Mark chapter 9, elsewhere throughout the Gospels. This is just one of many 
occasions where Jesus is trying to arrest the attention of the disciples in particular because the disciples were under the influence of the Pharisees. They had been influenced by this teaching. You may recall the one time he said, this is in Matthew chapter uh, 16, where he says, hey, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And they're like, oh, why is he telling this? Because we don't have any bread? He's like, no, no, no. It's because of their teachings. Their teachings were corrupting them because they were expecting the Messiah to come in the same way that the Pharisees were, and he's trying to correct them. And this is, when they ask that question, he right away has to put in some hard data into the minds of the disciples. You understand what's going on here? Because the disciples are in that same audience with Jesus when those Pharisees ask that question. And that question that they're asking is influencing the disciples. So Jesus has to kind of push back on the Pharisees and then help correct their understanding of the Messiah. And so here's what he says. You're going to long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but he says, here's what has to happen. Here's what has to happen first. He has to suffer many things and be rejected. Be rejected. Okay. But then he goes on and says this. Verses 26 and 27. He then goes into what happens after that rejection, and then he shifts his focus to an end time generation. Okay? An end time generation. And I believe that's the audience that I'm speaking to right now, both here as well as on, online. The current generation, we are an end time generation. It's been 2,000 years removed from when Jesus walked this earth. He is soon to return. We don't know when, but we have to be ready. And that's what this parable addresses. Okay? Here's what he says. And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. So now what he's doing is he's drawing, he's saying, you're going to long to see the, one of the days of the Son of Man. He says, this is what it's going to be like in the days of the Son of Man. Okay? It will be like as it was in the days of Noah. They ate, they drank, married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah did what? Entered the ark. Not while he was building the ark, but after he was finished, after he put all the tools away, after he washed his hands of all the sawdust and the tar that he had pitched on the, uh, put on the, on the boat, and after he got the last animal in their cage, and after they had uh, gotten into the boat, what was going on outside of the boat, the ark? It says they ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. Then something happened. The flood came and destroyed them all. Okay? And then he goes on. And they will say to you, look here or look there. Do not go after them or follow them. For as the lightning that flashes out of one part under heaven shines to the other part under heaven, so also the Son of Man will be in his day. Okay? So this is an address now to the end times scenario. But then he goes on and he makes another comparison. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot. They ate, they drank. They bought, they sold, 
they planted, they built. So what was happening in Lot's day was what? Sounds like the economy was humming. Doing really good, right? <clears throat> there was, doesn't sound like some economic depression was going on. Sounds like things were just humming right along. People making money. Everybody's happy. Things are going. Business transactions going on. Buying and selling and all this kinds of stuff. But on the day that Lot left Sodom, the Bible, we're told it says it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the days when the Son of Man is revealed. Now, there's more passages that follow, but I wanted to go back to our parable. Okay? I share this all for this reason, that we're living in the last days of Earth's history, or the days of Earth's history, that resembles the days of Noah and the days of Lot. And as a result, okay, our faith walk can become discouraging. Which is why we need the lesson of the parable. So that's the context in which Jesus tells this parable. He is addressing a question posed to him from the Pharisees, and then he pushes back on their view of the kingdom, but then he has to teach his disciples, his little flock, because there are biblical lessons, the days of Noah, the days of Lot, that have a lot to do with the end-time generation. Okay? Now, the disciples had reason to believe that they were going to be that end-time generation. We're told in uh, Paul's letter to the Colossians, that at that time, Paul said, we preach to all the world. And that was the commitment, that was the mission. Preach to all the world, take this message to all the world. Okay? Thomas had gone to India. Okay? You know, tradition, church tradition tells us Thomas had gone to India and been martyred there. <clears throat> the gospel went to China. Elder Falkenberg can tell us all about that. Okay? The gospel went to China many, many years ago. We have missionaries over there right now, people going over there right now. But the gospel was embedded into China hundreds and thousands of years ago. Okay? So here we are in this generation. Time has gone on. The church has fallen asleep. But the call is being made. It's time to wake up. The Lord is coming. The bridegroom is coming. The bridegroom is coming. Okay? So he tells this parable. Why? That men ought to always pray and not lose heart. Here's where I'm going. Heart disease is the number one killer. Okay? And we're told in this parable, as the parable, as Jesus begins this particular passage of Scripture, that to fail to pray can result in a uh, despondency or heart disease within the ranks of believers. Okay? But there's some good news. Amen? Always good news. Okay? Prayer is, what Jesus is addressing here really is that prayer is the antidote or the medicine to heart failure in our faith journey. Okay? Prayer is the, med the very 
prescribed medicine that we need when we get discouraged by what is taking place around us. And we're experiencing, the whole world is in shock by what happened. As Elder Falkenberg, our conference, he's our conference president here, as he described what uh, took place, and he didn't get graphic, but we all know by now what did take place, this tragedy, on a Sabbath morning nonetheless. Okay? These people were at a, a festival, and they were just enjoying themselves, celebrating life, etc., etc. Okay? But the idea is that this tragedy unfolded in, in such a, uh, a fashion that uh, it can become discouraging. Why? How, how could humanity go to such depths okay, to stoop so low? Well, it just shows what we're, in, uh, what we're capable of doing without God, because that's really what evil is. Okay? But here's the thing, is that prayer, we can become discouraged and become despondent waiting for the day of the Son of Man. And so we lose heart. But prayer is the medicine that will take us through. Okay? And here's why. Uh, prayer is the greatest faith exercise that you can participate in, either individually or corporately. Okay? Prayer is the greatest exercise of faith that you can participate in, either individually or collectively. What do I mean by that? Well, number one killer is heart disease. Here's the good news is that you can, uh, it can be reversed and one of the methods is through exercise, okay? Listen to what it says here. Research has shown, uh, uh, at the top, I have, uh, I circled the wrong thing. Dr. Tom was very tired yesterday. It says, what role does exercise play in reversing heart disease? Research has shown that, I'll read it from over here so you can hear me better. Research has shown that regular exercise is associated with decreased markers of inflammation, improved metabolic health, enhanced insulin sensitivity, and mitochondrial function. Oh, that's a big word for Pastor Tom. Mitochondrial function, I like that. Decreased circulating lipids. So in other words, exercise helps your cardiovascular system so you don't get heart disease, amen? We don't want heart disease, both outside nor inside the church, okay? So what do we do to help with our heart disease in the church, this despondency. Well, Jesus had a proven method for what to do with discouragement in the heart, and that is to exercise our faith by prayer. That's what he said. This is what he said. Listen. Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Not occasionally. Not, well, maybe we'll, it'll be an option that we'll consider. You know? but we ought to always pray. And there's a specific reason, so that we don't lose heart, so that we don't become despondent. Because there are going to be circumstances that surround us where it's going to you know, be hitting our brain. You know, the Bible says, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. I actually did a video about this very thing, a little short YouTube short. Uh, but it's, it's the passage is, uh, Matthew chapter 24, verse 6. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. 
but the issue is is that uh, we should not become discouraged because of that because the end is not yet which means that people are looking and the big uh, the chatter on the internet is this is the end this is the end but the Bible says no it's not this is just the beginning so the tendency would say, you mean we've got more than this? Yeah, everybody's talking. This could be World War III. Well, the good news is that it's not the end. Okay? So the idea is that even though these circumstances are very dreary, very, uh, they, they can be lead us to despondency if we don't have the light of God's word to guide us. But God says, no, just press on, just keep pressing on, because the gospel of the kingdom must be preached. Must be preached. <clears throat> so the purpose of this parable is to encourage us to pray, because there are consequences to our failure to pray. We lose heart. The question is exactly how do we exercise our faith? Well, here's what we need to do. Listen, there was in the city, a certain city, a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. Every day she'd show up at nine o'clock. As soon as the, the doors to the court was open, she'd be first in line. And she'd march right into that courtroom. That judge would be sitting there and, and she would say, get justice from my adversary. You're the judge, get justice for me. And she'd make her plea and then she'd go out, next case and so on and so forth. Well, nine o'clock comes the next day and guess what? Court door is open, and here's that widow. She marches right in. And this happens day after day after day, week after week. We don't even know how long this lasted, even perhaps months, maybe even years, possibly. But finally, finally, this is what the judge, finally he comes to his senses, and here's what he says. After he, had, he wouldn't, he wouldn't, you know, address her case at all. But afterwards, he got thinking, he said, Oh, I don't fear God, nor I have regard for man. But this widow keeps troubling me. And bothering me. I can't sleep with her. I don't look forward to work. Work used to be a pleasure. Now I don't like going to work. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to avenge her. Lest by her continual coming, she wears me out. It was very selfish thinking on his part. This is totally selfish. The only reason he granted justice was because he was more concerned about him than about her rights. Okay? And that's why Jesus says in the parable, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with Right now, Jesus is comparing the character of the judge who's selfish with the character of God. And he's saying, God will avenge you. God will bring about justice. So when society breaks down, as it did in the days of Noah, <clears throat> and bear in mind, one of the main problems in Noah's day was God came down to visit, and he said there was violence in the earth. You know what that word violence means? In The, the word violence in Hebrew is Hamas. Hamas. We're living in the days of Noah. Okay? 
Go look that up, Fred. That's your homework assignment. Special, special assignment there. Go look it up in your concordance there. All right. And the days of Lot, same thing. Okay. Your sodomy and, and uh, uh, alternative lifestyles are being promoted. Okay. Okay. In such a blatant fashion. Okay. A militant fashion, in your face, defy me type fashion. Taking a pride in this type of a lifestyle. Bible says God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Okay. So here we have this widow pleading, and God makes the point, Jesus makes the point, there is a stark contrast between this judge and between God himself. Okay, <clears throat> And just like consistent daily exercise provides benefits to an individual, the same goes for the spiritual exercise of consistent prayer. Right? <clears throat> Listen to this. Christ Object Lessons, page 175, dealing with this, this chapter is dealing with this parable, this gem of a quote, there is no danger that the Lord will neg neglect the prayers of his people. The danger is that in temptation and trial, they, God's people, will become discouraged and fail to persevere in prayer. Okay. So, God is not going to neglect our prayers. The challenge is that we neglect to pray when circumstances become dire. And that's what he was addressing to his disciples. There was an expectation of how the kingdom was to come. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. It's not going to be anything like that. Here's what's going to happen. Okay? You will long for the days of the Son of Man, and what's going to happen is the Son of Man is going to have to be to suffer, to be betrayed, etc., etc. And then what's going to happen after that is that you will enter into a time, the days of Noah, the days of Lot, and they will be very trying circumstances because society will be going in this direction, and you're going to be trying to advance the kingdom in this direction, and it's going to become very challenging. Okay. But we're instructed that there is no danger that the Lord will neglect the prayers of his people. Okay? He's not liked the unjust judge. The danger is that in temptation and trial, we will become discouraged and fail to persevere in prayer. And so the question is, how does this apply to us today? What difference does this make for the Middletown Portland Seventh-day Adventist Church? What, does, what difference does this make for us as individuals okay, who are traveling and business and we face different various circumstances? Well, <clears throat> Jesus concludes by saying, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. That's the good news. He will work on our behalf. He will work on behalf of our children, on behalf of our grandchildren. And, and Frida, you told the story of your brother, right? How he accepted the Lord before he passed, right? That took many years, right? Of witnessing to him. But you finally got to see the answer to your prayer. How? Even though it was difficult, through persevering prayer. Okay? Through persevering prayer. So we heard within our own hearing today a living testimony of what Frida experiences. 
So, we are not to look upon our circumstances and our situation and cry, why? Why is this happening? Why aren't we growing, etc., etc., etc.? Okay? Rather, we need to look at the Savior himself and ask him not to change the circumstances, but to change us. Okay? We experienced challenges at the food pantry this week. It tries our patience, right? Tries our patience, okay? And we can pray for these individuals, but we really need to pray for that grace for us so that we know how to deal with these circumstances, okay? That's, and that's where persevering prayer comes in. That's where persevering prayer comes in. So that we can serve more effectively for the purpose that God himself is working out. So the question really is, Will he find faith on the earth? Friends, that's only a question that we can answer ourselves. And we, we don't have to think how long this will last. Let's just persevere today in prayer and not worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has what? Enough trouble of its own. So what we do is we persevere today and when we retire for the evening, we know that it's in the Lord's hands and when we wake up tomorrow, we persevere again. And we go at the end of the day, just like the, just, just like the widow. We just persevere every day. But God himself is working these matters out. Amen? He is working them out. So the question is, are you willing to persevere in prayer to discover what God wants to do in your life? Mm -hmm.